0: So, I caught up with um, that daughter that um, Julie mentioned, my 20-year-old, who is a, a junior at Miami of Ohio last night, and she asked if I was doing anything special today. And I said, actually, honey, do you recognize the name Tim Keller? And she said, oh, yeah, you've got about seven of his books in our library. And I said, that's right. I said, well, your mom is what I would call one of the opening acts for Tim Keller at this conference I'm going to. And of course, I'm thinking, she's gonna be pretty impressed with her mom and she's gonna pat me on my back. But without missing a beat, Margaret says, well, mom, I'll be praying that you just don't screw it up. (laughs) So with that prayer and with God's help, I will tell you the story of my generosity journey. And by the way, sometimes I get emotional, so I've got a little Kleenex, but I'm going to try. I'm praying that God won't, uh, won't take me there. But anyway, um, so I grew up in a really small town, and I should say, um, I call it a village, um, of Lampeter, Pennsylvania. Uh, Lampeter is a suburb of the big city of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So everyone from my mother's family and father's family were born, raised, lived, and died within 10 miles of this little village and we spent a lot of time together. Sundays were spent at my great-grandmom's house on a farm nearby, and holidays were always spent split between a midday meal with one side of the family and uh, dinner with the other side. I thought this was how everyone lived, and I loved every minute of it. Home was security, and home was family. So, not surprisingly, my story of generosity really begins with my family, and in particular, my father. I grew up in a strong Christian home, attended a very conservative evangelical church. Church, youth group, and faith were just a huge part of my childhood. My dad never went to college, despite excelling in high school and having a lifelong love of reading and learning. In fact, I laugh because today his favorite magazine is Biblical Archeology. (laughs) span So, um, he worked his way up in a watch factory, doing very well. He became a general manager and did very well by Lancaster standards. I recently asked him what his highest level of uh, yearly income was, and he told me $70,000. Dad demonstrated faithful generosity. He tithed to our church, supported missionaries in Africa, and gave a great deal of his time and talents in our church as a Sunday school leader, elder, and worship leader. Interestingly, my mother, was pretty much the exact opposite. She never felt we had enough money. She was often angry at the amount of time Dad spent at church and strongly disagreed with Dad's tithing. In fact, I, don't, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he kept it from, from her. And so I got very mis, mixed signals about money and generosity growing up. And I think that's a big part of my story. I wasn't gonna go to college, despite doing well in high school, but as a senior, I woke up to the opportunities in front of me and applied to a few colleges to be an occupational therapist. I received a full academic scholarship at Elizabethtown College. How many people have ever heard of Elizabethtown College? Didn't think so. It's in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And for the first time, I got out of my comfortable Christian life. At E-Town, I quickly decided to up my game and go pre-med. And although I faithfully attended a local church, a crack began to occur in my Christian armor as my secular friends began to challenge me on the validity of the Bible and if I really believed that this guy died on the cross and was raised from the dead. I was not prepared with any logical or historical evidence of my faith, even though my heart knew that I had experienced the Holy Spirit when I accepted Jesus as my Savior and was baptized at 13. Furthermore, I was just not really reading my Bible or in any relationship with Jesus, so I basically stayed a Sunday Christian with many doubts about the reliability of my faith. I decided to get my MBA after college instead of medical school and headed to Duke University. After majoring in finance, I selected banking as a career, and I was heading to the big city of New York, and I started with Chemical Bank. I quickly figured out that actually the big bucks were made in investment banking, and I, through some contacts, interviewed at Goldman Sachs for about two months, and they finally gave me a job, and I was there for 10 years. I think it was at Goldman when I really got the itch to make money. I had never been exposed to the kind of wealth that could be made in such a short period of time, and for me, I have to say, it was intoxicating. I was good at my job, and I quickly rose through the ranks of Goldman, and I was hooked. Now when I look back, it was just so easy for me to link my identity to success in business, and since I was really not in a personal relationship with Jesus or God, my God became my career. I remember saying to myself, but I'm a good person. I'm not letting this money get to my head, and I'm so much more generous than, than my friends. But of course, none of these things really mattered since I was so far away from God. After the first, um, after the birth of my first child, Katie, I realized that Goldman's lifestyle was not gonna be a way I wanted to raise children, and so I interviewed for this CFO, CFO job at a large public real estate company in, in Detroit, Michigan. And three months later, I was living in a new city, in a new job, and pregnant with my second daughter. While it was hard to leave the earnings potential at Goldman, I was smart enough to realize that I was burning out and that a CFO job would provide a good living with a longer runway and a balanced lifestyle. Little did I know that God had really opened up the door for the perfect job for me. Years later, as I reflect on the success I had in my career, it is so clear that God had his hand in all of my decisions, even though I didn't really acknowledge him at the time. At Taubman Centers, which is the company I worked for, I was really in my element, transitioning this patriarchal company into a high-performing public real estate investment trust. Our stock rose from $10 to $80, and that's a 15% compounded annual return, you can tell I'm a metric person, that happened during my tenure there. Thanks to a compensation package with a lot of stocks and op- stock and options, my decision to move out of investment banking to a public company turned out to be not such a bad one for all kinds of reasons. Now a little more about my faith and generosity journey. Sadly, my marriage ended about three years after moving to Michigan, and I've now been divorced for nearly 20 years. So I raised my daughters as a working single mom, although their father was very involved in their lives. We attended a great Methodist church in our town because I thought it had a great youth program. But my daughters returned from Spring Hill Camps, which is an amazing camp in the middle of Michigan, and they begged me to find a church that would provide what they called a Spring Hill experience. So I had no choice but to go in search of a new church. I had heard about this non-denominational church that was meeting at a local high school, and we decided to go. We went on a Sunday, and every one of us was blown away. I can remember the emotions pouring out of me as tears came during the worship time, and I knew we were in the right place. It's funny, after 25 years of escaping from the evangelical world of my childhood, God had brought me back home. I thought I was way too sophisticated to get caught up in the world of altar calls, raising of hands during worship, and boldly living a life for Jesus, but God had his own ideas. Now that was about 10 years ago, and it has been an amazing journey of getting grounded in what I believe through the lens of apologetics, delving into the Bible and prayer in an intentional daily way, and building my community of like-minded believers, like a lot of you in this room. And I know there are even more blessings as I continue to turn more and more control of my life, decisions, and future to God. So, about five years ago, God brought into my life a couple on fire for Jesus, Tony and Martha Cimarusti. God always has a plan and my connections to Martha and Tony came from Taubman's head of HR, Holly Kinnear, who has been a great friend of theirs for years. Now many of you in the room know, know them and you would agree that if God was going to bring someone into your life to partner in a journey of faith and generosity, it would be Martha and Tony. For me, meeting someone like Tony, educated at Harvard Business School, very successful in business, and yet boldly living for Jesus was eye-opening. You see, I really had never met anyone like him in my career. They told me about generous giving and the fact that you could explore generosity without being asked for money, and that it was only for donors and attended by like-minded people. So I signed up and came to this conference just two years ago. So for years, I had been what I would call generous. I followed the tithing requirement in the Bible, just like my dad. I judged my generosity by, giving, by comparing my giving to friends and acquaintances. And frankly, I felt like I measured up pretty well. But at the generous giving conference, I heard stories of radical generosity, transformational generosity. And I can remember sitting through two sessions that really impacted me. The first one was, how much is enough? In this small group, a businessman described how he and his partners had determined early on in their partnership to cap distributions at a certain amount per owner, and the rest would be used to glorify God. I was so happy someone in the session had the courage to raise their hand and ask, how much was that? And he answered, $150,000. I was blown away. Now, this business was in Kansas, okay, and I thought, but still, (laughs) The business had been incredibly successful. He could have bought a private plane, second home, etc. But the joy that emanated from this guy filled the room because of what they were doing with God's money. The second small group session I can remember vividly was one where we were asked to list our 10 most significant gifts over our lifetime and rate them on a scale of 1 to 10 based on number one how great was the impact And number two, how much joy did it give us in giving? My answers to this survey, now this was just two years ago, were stunningly revealing to me. I had been generous, but in my view, I hadn't made a significant impact, nor did my gifts bring me joy. So this experience started a journey which is still ongoing, but pretty transformational over the past two years. I hosted a jog at my home for a group of successful business women in Detroit, and I co-led with Martha, the Woman Doing Well, Inspiring Generous Joy conference in Detroit. These two events confirmed to me that I'm not the only one that struggles with how much is enough, how do I truly allow God to control my financial decisions, and how do I find joy in the purpose He's designed for me. Now one of my big has is the acknowledgement that the wealth I've accumulated over my career is all God's money. Sure, I worked really hard. I persevered through a lot of obstacles, probably way over focused on career and money, but at the end of the day, God's hand was always present and the doors that opened for me were truly miraculous. Another aha was how uncomfortable I feel when someone describes me as wealthy. Because you see, I don't feel wealthy. Why? because there's always someone a lot wealthier. My billionaire boss, the sports player on TV, my neighbor with a bigger second home in Florida. So it was easy for me to feel really good about my spending level relative to my income and my generosity relative to many around me. But as I matured spiritually and allowed God to enter my heart, um, the Bible verse from Luke 12:48 comes to mind. came to my mind. From everyone who has been given much, much more will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. To much he has given, much he expects. Now this is one of those expectation verses. The other verse that I love is the verse that c- talks about joy coming from generosity. Proverbs 1124 24 to 25, and it says, one gives freely yet grows even richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffer what suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched. The one who waters will himself be watered. All of these experience and thoughts caused me to really think about how to consider my plan for assets, philanthropy, and estate planning. And my last aha, at least for now, was that God has wired me to care about certain things. And if I give up my time, talents, and treasures in line with how he wired me, My giving actually doesn't feel sacrificial. It actually fulfills my purpose. Getting clarity on this purpose has not been easy, but I've been intentional and thoughtful. And over the last 18 months, I've participated in a halftime cohort. And I just wanna say, if anyone hasn't read the book Halftime by Bob Buford highly in in your 40s or 50s, I'd highly recommend it. And there's an organization that I participated in a cohort where with others really felt like I delved into my purpose. I worked with a spiritual coach, read a lot of books, spent time in the Word and in prayer, and I networked with a lot of Christian organization. I'm still on my journey, but have narrowed my interest to really three things. Evangelism, economic empowerment for those in extreme poverty, and sex trafficking, human trafficking. Now what do these things have in common? All are reaching those who are less fortunate than I am. These are the people I feel called to serve. And now I've narrowed this, I'm really able to say no to some things and yes to others. And I feel like if I listen to his calling, my impact here will be so much greater and so much more joyful. Interestingly, my generosity journey has brought me full circle back home in a very unexpected way over the past couple of weeks. As the most successful person in my family, I've always taken the lead to bring my family together, usually at my home in Michigan, which is large enough to handle everyone. Furthermore, I have the gift of hospitality. That's what Martha tells me, by the way. Entertaining family and friends is just what I love to do. Now that my daughters live in different parts of the country, it's even more important that I get them together with their their grandparents, cousins, aunts, and uncles. So I've been in the process of selling a very large house in Michigan because I'm an empty nester, and it just seems like a waste of God's resources. But honestly, I think some of my thinking has been rooted in guilt about the life I have as compared to so many people in other parts of the world. I don't know if this resonates with you, but it just has a deep you know, pain in my heart. But I was visiting a friend in Jupiter Island um, a several um, a month ago and I came upon a home, literally by chance, that is significantly less of an investment than my place in Michigan, but still large enough to gather family and it's perfectly located for the things my family loves to do. I prayed and I spent time with the Lord as to whether this was something I should do and spent an hour on the phone with my dad as well. And what I came to realize was how important it is for me to have a place like this one that I can bring family and friends together. My motivation isn't about owning a big house to show everyone how successful I am. It's about providing a home and a gathering place, perhaps somewhat different than the home I grew up in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, when my family was close and we got together all the time. But it's still a place to experience the love of family. So I feel my generosity story is still being written, and I know that I need to continue to be in his word, surround myself with similar believers, like all of you in this room, who are passionate about giving back and prayerfully asking God to lead me where he wants me to go. I'm confident he has a plan, and I can trust that he will lead me and leverage my gifts so much more than I can do on my own. And I'm really glad to be back home. Thank you.